there's a fellow. His name is Bruce Garrick. He yes. does the Wild Weasel. Yeah, I had dinner with him last night. Yes. Oh, is he here? I can't yeah. find him. Yeah. I just wanted to stretch. He's, he he doesn't do many videos, but the ones he does really good. It's really good because they're very deep. They go into right. It's it's the kind of thing that should you know. It's uh, I would like to see more, but I I can't find him anywhere. I don't know. Yeah. I'll well, that's, he's he's elusive. He's wild. He's a weasel, <laughs> and, and you can imagine that. Hey gang, it's Harold, and here's another podcast. During my trip to Consim World Expo in Tempe, Arizona this summer, I interviewed a number of interesting people. This interview is with Stuka Joe, and it's the fourth of those interviews. This podcast is singularly composed of an interview with prolific game reviewer, analyzer, and video creator Stuka Joe. We'll discuss his YouTube channel, his interesting games, and his work as a federal prosecutor in Puerto Rico. So you better clean it up. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to your feedback. Jose Ruiz is known on YouTube as Stuka Joe. He has a rabid following of YouTubers and wargamers who love his game features. Stuka Joe mixes summary of critical rules with excellent graphics and play summaries to show so much more than the run-of-the-mill unboxing. Joe is also known for the player aids he creates for games he features, often making them more digestible. We'll start this interview with a question about what Joe does during the day and how that interfaces with the war games that he loves to talk about. I'm an assistant U.S. attorney. Well, they call it senior litigation counsel. That's the old guy that's one some cases in the office and people think that he knows something. So I'm, I'm more like a mentor to the younger uh, prosecutors in the office in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Puerto Rico. So we try cases uh, and there, there's a very, uh, I, I see some parallelisms between the hobby and the cases because uh, you got to explain your case to a jury as a prosecutor, you have the burden of proof. So it's like when you're playing a game, you have the burden of attack. You know, and uh, and, and uh, you can easily lose your case if one of those jurors doesn't understand it, because then well, I don't understand reasonable doubt, but or, or at least you get a hung jury. So uh, you're explaining something, and uh, at the same time uh, you can't say everything you want to say. You're you're bound by the rules of evidence. You're the government. You know, there's some sort of decorum that the courts expect. So I, I tell the young prosecutors, we fight always with a hand behind our backs. You know. And I'm not. I'm a kind of sarcastic kind of guy more than than I reveal in my channel. So, uh, but the sarcasm has its place, 
And I usually, usually, you usually have to wait till the defense attorneys become a little nasty, and then you can fire back. You can't fire back from the beginning because the judge is not going to like it, or and the jury, you know, the jury knows where the government we're held to a higher standard. So, but that, on the other hand, that's what I like about it. You know, my client is the United States, so I I don't want to defend drug dealers, drug traffickers. And I told my boss, uh, she the good thing in the District of Puerto Rico the U.S. Attorney Rosamilia Rodriguez is a career prosecutor. She's been there for 16 years. Now, now they're gonna, the president is gonna appoint a, a, a new U.S. Attorney. Luckily, it was another career prosecutor who's coming, as opposed to a political. So, it, it's I think it's gonna be a good appointment. So, it, it's important because I know in other districts it's a political figure and it's it's not the same. But the thing is, where I'm going, where I'm going at is. After I, I told my boss, after I retire, I'm going to be five or six more years. I'm not going to step on a courtroom. I'm not going to become a defense attorney. Uh, I'm going to do something else. And that something else may be something relating to war games, uh, uh, something with the YouTube channel. So that's why I'm trying to always improve the skills of presentation. My hobby is really not just wargaming. It's wargaming, film producing, editing, even getting good music, and that's where my pal Pan Dan, Dan Palcandi comes in, and uh, and even in the video presentation, I I I, I it's uh, arts and craft. I add some things that will ease the presentation. That's I like to put the player like the games in front of himself, like revealing itself. You see, I I like to close in. I see a lot of people doing videos. The seventeen thousand foot videos—you can't—you lose the detail, and the devil's in the detail in these games. And the detail is the hex, the hex sides, the unit types—you know, the, all that kind, all those kind of things uh, are important in war games. Like the great thing about war gaming is that the games have depth, and it's the depth that the history gives gives the game. Different from Euro games where they use history just as a backdrop. Here it has depth, and it makes you. You want to become a better player of that game? Read the history about the game. It, it gives you a lot of clues. I mean, if it's a well-designed game, of course. And so, and and I've also discovered. Uh, I've been doing these videos since 2013. Everybody is a war gamer for different reasons. You see, some people want to play the game. They want to play D-Day so that D-Day happens again exactly in the same way. And if it doesn't, uh, I didn't like the game. Other people like to, to try to change history. Other people just are in it for the ride, for the, for the story the game tells you. And other people like the competitiveness and combinations of the other. So I never do my videos getting in front of the camera and say, I like the game or I didn't like the game. Because, for example, I like the Bee Gees. You may not like the Bee Gees, so why am I going to get in front of a camera and say, I like this game or not? I show how the game plays and you're... You're 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 a big boy. You know if what you like in terms of gaming or not. And people say, "Oh, I like the video, uh, but I didn't like the game, right. Joe." So, and I write them back and I say, "Hey, it's no problem. That's the whole purpose of the video. <laughs> I'm not selling you the game. The game sells itself." It's when they say, "I love the game, but the video was terrible." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't had that comment in a while. Thank for, thank thank God. Well, your videos are terrific. You know, uh, the most recent one that we both had experience with is Campaigns of 1777, which was uh, um, Strategy and Tactics 316, and and you took it. And not only I was amazed. Not only did you do a video on it, but you created player aids 
Right? Yeah. You, you, you create, you, I mean, not just reflections of the existing player aids, but you, you put them into a format into, a, you know, back in front of a, of a eight and a half by 11. And then you took the list of different commands that the leaders can execute on and turn those into cards so that you can see, I can do all of these different things and put all the, it was wonderful what you did with it. And you really took the game to another level and, and, and that's beyond just making a video, right? Yeah. Well, first thing, it's a magazine games. I'm a sucker for magazine games. Why? Because usually in, in, it's the format that I think companies take more risks. And you can get real games, uh, sucker games and other games. You can get really good innovative stuff, things that is, that are, that is amazing, that they didn't want to venture in a box game. They did through a, through a magazine game. Now, the thing with the magazine games, sometimes they need a little love. For example... Uh, 1777 uh, the player aid was I think it was in the rule book and there were a bunch of charts that that were just they're they're 99 percent of them are on the map and then in the map it's kind of a pain I mean I'm 58 this I don't and and which angle are you sitting at and yeah and I know I know it's a magazine game they want to save money so they put the charts on the map but you have to be a contortionist to to read them so (laughs) so I understand players appreciate a player aid for that purpose. Then the thing about the cards, those you would have to open the rule book to. And, and I think in terms of the kind of gamer I am, I like to immerse myself in the story. I don't care if I lose or win, really. And I lose a lot of games. I'm not really a great player. But the thing, it, an immersive experience for me is one that I have to be consulting the less the rule book or these huge player aid cards. So, And the great thing about cards is people... And I think we're starting as wargamers to tap into the potential of cards, not just as cards for like card-driven games where you play a card and the other guy plays a card, but as player aids. The great thing about cards that they have is they focus your attention on a two and a half by three and a half inch area. So if you're going to look for something, it's going to be in the card. I, I, I've, I've done some sequence of play cards for games that have tons of segments and phases that instead of you having to open a threefold uh, player aid and look for a line there which is going to take time and effort you you arrange the cards in in the order and you just flip them and there's what you have to do and uh the same thing happens i saw i saw in your game that a man you got to be going into the rules hey it's just a limited number of orders let's put the cards and you just open the cards in your hand and you, here you see all your alternatives. And I think that, that could be helpful. In, in that case, that's the whole purpose of those cards. And I've seen a number of pictures of people playing with your cards. So I think people appreciate that. I, I think that over over the years, as we've moved to card-driven games, a lot of the rules have moved to the cards, right? Yeah. And, and you know, the magazine games aren't an example of that because of the way they print them and the way mm-hmm. they, right? But, but um, it's it's cool to see that, that a lot of the, the, the rules complexity is driven into the cards so that you only see it when you need to see it, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the beauty of the card-driven games. You know, it's all, all you can pack in the cards to make the game flow read the card apply the action you didn't have to go to the rule book or interrupt play and uh, that's i think that's what makes those games so fun because they are, are truly interactive agreed so uh you're wearing a stuka joe shirt yes uh, which i love and uh so i'd like to know where to buy the stuka joe shirt we'll have to talk about that and yeah, then, this, uh, people uh, are talking about that and, and then, yeah i'm sure <laughs> and then and then the stuka joe is 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 the is the is it the name of your would you call it the name of your channel or it's the name of it's your nickname well, uh, um, 
let me see. In a sense, it's like a nickname and the name of the channel at the same time. Um, so I guess you want to know how that came oh, up. I'd love to know where it okay. came from. My favorite plane is the Junkers 87 Stuka. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because it was a, a great plane by itself. When I was about uh, 11 or 12 years old, my father bought me a Stuka. You remember these planes that had a gas little gasoline motor? And you would fly them by holding them on a line and you would you know, circle, yes. circle around. And we went to this tar uh, play, uh, parking lot to fly it one day. <clears throat> so I remember my we, my father turned it on and uh, turned the motor on, and then he started flying the plane and flying the plane in circles and circles. Say, well, Dad, it's my turn. Uh, Jose, just wait a second. This is fun. You know, when, uh, I'm going, oh, Dad, come on. So suddenly he he went. He wanted to see if the plane uh, could make a loop or something, and uh, it went up and never came out of its dive. <laughs> Just shattered into a thousand pieces. Oh no! And I started crying. I think because I really liked the plane. That I had seen the plane like for three months, sitting at home. Oh, this plane is beautiful. It was a black Stuka. It was. So the next thing he brought me, a, he bought me another Stuka, but it wasn't a. It didn't fly. It was just a model. And and as to this day, I have in my photo in my office, uh, the U.S. Attorney's office. I have a huge Stuka there, pointing at the defense attorneys whenever they sit in front of the. In front of the table there. And they always ask me the Stuka, and I tell them the same story. That's my favorite plane. And, and in my videos, I say, well, when I, we're talking about aircraft, and of course the best aircraft of World War II is the Junkers 87 Stuka, but I may be a little biased, you know. So that's the story of that's the Stuka. Great. And Stuka Joe has a good ring to it. And so I decided to, to, to put the two together. So people call me uh, Joe. You can call me Joe. Some call me Jose. And in Spain... For some reason, the Spaniards call me Stuka. And those, when they try to call me Joe, instead of call me Joe, they pronounce literally in Spanish, Joe. So I said, no, better call me Stuka <laughs> than Joe. That's too too hard for me. <laughs> That's great. So tell us about the start of the channel and what, why you started it and when you started it and, and, where, and where you came from. It was the summer of 1973. Okay. I have been playing on and off war games since I was 13 years old. And the first two war games I had, yeah, let me just tell you the story. So we go in order. I was 13 years old. My aunt is Puerto Rican, married to my uncle, who's an who's American. Who he was in the navy, and they decided, hey, Joe, uh, Jose, you want to go with us to Chicago? We'll go to the Museum of Art. And I said, yeah, why not? Now ask me about the Museum of Art. I don't remember anything about the Museum of Art. I remember my uncle during a break took, took me to a department store and there was a wall uh, shelves full of Avalon Hill games up to that point in time I'd had played the I had played those American heritage games you remember hit the beach dogfight broadside what's the other it's one a civil war one I think there was a, a ba battle cry and then later skirmish came but I had played those and I mean that was my concept of war games but my uncle had played Jutland before. So I mean, my uncle knew what he was doing. He knew what I liked. So he took me there. And the, I still remember, to, he said, Jose, pick two. Not even one, pick two. So the two games I picked were France 1940, which is really an SPI game designed by James Dunnigan that was a magazine game, but this edition was a nicer mounted map or edition made by Avalon Hill. 
And then the other game was Luft, Luftwaffe. By Which Ella. has a picture of a Stuka on the front. Which, right? Well, it has a picture of a, it's an ME-109. Oh, that's right. But, uh, <laughs> and we played those to death. Uh, so I still have my original copies worn. So I got like three copies of each game. So the Stuka Joke channel, as, as the years happened, you know, on and off war gaming, I was uh, becoming more of a collector of games. I walked one day into my home and it's going, man, I have all these games. Uh, and I go one by one, haven't played it, haven't played it, haven't played it. <laughs> uh, I punched it, haven't played it. Haven't, and, and I realized I wasn't playing my games. Of course, in Puerto Rico, there's very little people who play these games. I have played with my brothers some easier ones, but they're not really war gamers. And so I go, I start looking at the, at the internet and I see Marco Arnaldo, um, I see also some other people doing videos, Enrico Viglino, who goes by Callendale, and some other people, and I say, hmm, videos of war games, but I'm, I don't feel comfortable, comfortable doing reviews because, hey, I can't with my face do a review of a game I haven't played. You've got to play the game. <laughs> so I say, why not play the game and record it? So my first recorded playthrough was a two-hour, two ten-minute playthrough, 24 turns, of Lion of Ethiopia. This is a command magazine game about the Italian invasion of Ethiopia in 1936, I believe, which is a terrific magazine game. By the way, it was a command game magazine. It was a Mark Simonich map, which it by it didn't have a lot of colors, but there was no ambiguities. It a very elegant map. And Command Magazine had another artist, I'm not gonna say the name, which the maps are, you know, left much to be desired. And, I always ended up gravitating to the Mark Simonich maps. So I, I, I recorded that turn by turn and using a technique I still use today, which is a short clips, not longer than 15 seconds. And I, so I pause, I think what I'm going to say, I place the camera at an angle and I record 10 seconds or 12 seconds and I do repeat. And what that creates is a multi-camera effect, which is actually interesting creates the impression you got a lot of cameras different angles have one. Yeah. so i still that i do that to that day to this day and then i got some very positive feedback so i started to do those now you also used when you did um campaigns for 77 1777 you did a lot of stills right yes so that so that was almost exclusively stills or maybe exclusively now with with time i've discovered the convenience of using a lot of stills i because using video clips is 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 necessary if you're gonna move the camera around or if you're gonna show something that moves actually but really what i do is i take a photograph of the before combat and then another one of the after combat and i interpose a transition which makes it look like there you got the illusion of movement there and the good thing about a photograph in the editing process you can stretch it as much as you can the, the video you can't stretch it and so, so that, but that's something I'm learning now because I was kind of hard-headed. I've, I've, you know, I was thinking about I'm shooting video and that I had to shoot actual video. And I realized with a photograph, I can, I can do much more. So what, what year did, uh, did you start the channel? 2000, summer 2013. Wow. Okay. So it's been six years. Six years. To this point. How has it changed? Well, it's changed in... Well, uh, I guess uh, I, I used another editing program before. Now I use PowerDirector. Um, I'm doing. I'm trying to create 
types of videos that are helpful. So I don't do many unboxing videos because those I, I call those the beauty contest of wargaming, you know. But I, but I mean, they can be useful. I mean, they have their use, but it's usually somebody hasn't read the rules. Oh, how, look, a map. Look, some counters. Oh, look, some player rates. Great. Okay, but so I'm trying to create formats of videos, and this is where I think, I, I truly believe that we haven't tapped the potential of videos to war, in wargaming. The idea is not to create a wargaming video hobby. It's using the video format to promote and assist wargamers. And the way you do that is by creating videos that are helpful. Tutorial videos are helpful. I, I've done videos of games I've never played to this day. One of my most popular videos is examples of play of D-Day at, at Tarawa. It's a John Butterfield solo game. I've never played that game. And you're going to say, man, you have some nerve doing a video. No, because I took the rule book, and the same examples of play that are in the rule book are there. Now, the problem for a wargamer is if you download the rule book and you read it, some people will understand the example of play, but not everybody. And you may think you understand it, but if you see it unfolding before your eyes, it's like you had the game right in front of you. And that's my, my philosophy is I put the game in front of the person and you grasp all the details in the example. You know that the example goes as what's in the hex, what are the modifiers, die roll modifiers, all that. And that video, the great thing about it, it was it was done in 2015. Up to this date, I get thank you notes. Thank you. I'm, I'm buying the game now, 2019. I saw your video, and it made it a lot easier to learn the game. So that's one format I, I've been using. And now the format I'm, I'm doing more, it's called a preview video which is what I did for 1777, which it's a very, it's a highly informational video. You get all the information of unit scale. Um, you get the information of the components, sequence of play, and then I show certain examples of play, and then I leave the game. The idea is I leave it set up uh, for the, the start of the play and leave the gamer like wanting more so that he will return to my channel. So <laughs> that's, right. that's like the little hook. But that's the preview video and uh, and that I can do for for any game, and I don't actually have to play the game to do it. And but it's still a helpful kind of video. Yes, and in seventeen seventy seven, you had to know the rules to do that. Oh, I always read you the extensively rules. went through yeah. examples of play and what happened. So, you know, I think about what Rodney Smith does and watch it played. Yes, and and he does an excellent job. Oh yes, serve a real service, right? But but doesn't venture much into wargaming. He uh, he just did Sakagahara. He did no. he did uh, Memoir Forty Four. I think mm -hmm. it uh, uh, recently. So so that's his first foray. And I, you know, our niche is just there. Just aren't the numbers right to to really motivate uh, uh, mm -hmm. those those players. Plus, the the game companies find it hard. I think to pay the premiums necessary to get those uh, those those guys to do or those those individuals to do videos but uh, i like what he's doing i think that to your point is kind of the the, the what we need right that's, well, the, he's, that's I, saw, I saw the seki gahara video. he teaches you how to play the game yes okay but I, there's some games that i mean if you if you're going to do a rules video on a on some war games it would they would be so long i don't think people would would actually watch them. that's why i think that it all comes together in the extended example of play because you just go step by step 
And these, all these games are repetitive. You know, you have the same sequence on and on. So if you didn't catch it on the first turn of the extended example of play, you probably catch it on the second or third. And the idea is not for you to learn to play the game. It's to gather enough information as to the flow of the game for you to make an informed decision. Say, oh, I like what I'm seeing. And then you go for the game. So that's why I'm not going to venture in doing a, a, a rules video of a game because I know that is so onerous. And then it's it can be hard to watch. If it, the longer it is, it's hard for to watch. The, the video works in wargaming for me. The longer the video is, the less people are going to watch it. So you got to do it in a certain amount of time. No, that's fair. And I, I think that can wear you down the volume. The, the other group that I like a lot um, is Heavy Cardboard. And they do uh, they do heavy strategy games. They do a little bit of war gaming. It's in the, the their defined universe, but you don't see a, you don't see as much as I'd like to see, right? You always want to see more. But what they'll do is they'll get their crew together and using multiple cameras will go through a live playthrough, and that's another great application. Yeah. Right. right? And I think that's another uh, to your point, right? That's 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 another great benefit. Those are the most fun. I like to make the playthroughs. For me, I, and I and I give you an example. There's a war, World at War issue for Crete, mag, the, the Crete game, which nobody made a video. So I decide Crete is one of my favorite battles for some reason because you have the elite paratroopers on this almost impossible situation, you know, thrown in this island. So I, I, I decided to give it a shot. Now, that Crete game had 19 phases each turn. So I decided to do sequence of play cards for those and what i do is i flip the sequence of play card and the viewer you know what sequence is coming on and what's in, and i play the game and i got so much uh positive feedback this is a grand buying and buying this game and, and I, found, I think a lot of people bought that issue and uh because the game is it's also innovative the british set up all their units randomly face down and you are the Germans, and you're invading, and you're discovering what they have in those spaces. And then there's some simple AI rules by which the British, uh, the Allies move and attack. It's, it's, a, it's not a complex game, but it, it's, it's an interesting take. It's a Joe Miranda game on the Battle of Crete. And, and I have a lot of fun doing the, the playthroughs. Now, they're, the playthroughs for me are, are, are pretty onerous to do because you have to do them uh, you have to do a video today, one in like two or three days. You can't leave them to turn two, uh, coming back in two months. Or you know, nobody's going to follow it. So you have to, you have to follow through. But they're they're really fun to do. Right. How do you feel about the the? It's interesting you mentioned the timing, but how do you, as, I'm curious about how you feel about the stress of of providing uh, content on a scheduled basis and and the expectation that you're that your listeners have, that, yeah. that your viewers have, that will want to see it. What do you, how do you think about that? Well, I've, I've actually uh, gone onto YouTube and uh, subscribed to various channels that they help you improve your YouTube channel. One thing they say is be consistent. So if you're going to do a video a week, do more, you know, a video a week. Don't do two videos this week and then a month passes and, 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 and nothing happens because... Believe it or not, people fit into their schedules time to watch videos. It's, they can't watch videos all the time, but I'm one of them. I, I watch videos Saturday morning. I mean, what else am I going to do? You know? And so I watch videos there, and I, I know that my pal, pal Dan Pancali has no enemies here, which he does every Saturday morning yeah, religiously. be there on Saturday. And that's what else you're going to do Saturday morning. So, so I try to 
do those once a week. Not always it's possible, but I, but I try to, and, I, and that's an area that I have to improve. It's interesting. It's uh, it creates a stress, right? Because it happens to podcasters as well. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, when you provide the content, and then you have to slow down because of other things. Yeah. I, I wondered if I if I provided too much too fast, right? Uh, and and uh, that makes it hard, but that also contributes to burnout, right? Which is a which is yeah. also a very it's something they say. Don't 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 take a crazy uh, pace uh, right. approach to it. You know. How do you feel about your burnout? Are you? No, I think once a week is fine. Uh, the, the the good thing about the, this concept, the preview video, it 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 doesn't take me too long to make one of those videos. So I'm I'm, I'm constantly striving to uh, to to hone like a format and uh, I have it broken down even by topics so that I can put it together quickly and not waste a lot of time because that's, that's, that would contribute to the burnout if, if I'm taking too much time on a, on a particular video. Yeah, I have a, I have a system, I have that preview video, I have it, uh, how do you say it, uh, it's structured, minutes, how many, these minutes, more or less, that's fine. And there's another format that's going to come up, which I'm going to give you the preview. It's called the designer designer notes video. Now, if you're a war gamer and you have an interest in a particular game, you're going to end up reading the designer notes because you want to know, hey, why Harold uses this mechanic? What's his justification? But again, if you don't have the game, you got to imagine a lot of things. So here's where I step in. And what I what I what I'll do is very simple. I just lay down with the narrator what's in the designer's notes video. Uh, designer notes. I'm not going to change anything. I add pictures to it. Now, designer notes sometimes, many times, have like a little history of how the game developed. Well, and, and the designer will tell you, oh, I did like five prototypes of the map. Uh, we I create. I have photographs of where I, I did this in my uh, garage. Whatever. Nobody sees that ever, and you're not going to see it, you know, in a, in a website. GMT is not going to post that. So, uh, the idea this is like a collaboration between the designer and the and the YouTuber. So once I have the the video, uh, the narration, I get in contact with the designer, and I, sh- uh, I the idea is I'm not going to release this video until it has the okay of the designer because you know it's the designer's notes video i'm not gonna i want i want it to be a good product and then if the designer wants to contribute any such photographs you know of a, that he may have i can embed them there and uh, and i think that's something that can 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 improve the quality of our hobby because we we're prone to the it's all the cult of the new the new game's going to come out and you always have a race see who's the first guy who does the unboxing but for me, I mean, that's not, that doesn't excite me. For me, it's getting into the depth. And designer notes is part of that depth. Why is it that way? And that's something I think the video uh, format can, can really contribute. And if you don't have the game, you're looking at some informa- uh, in crucial information. Why is this game this way, this aspect? You may, that may pique your interest in the game. That otherwise you would never... Uh, I've seen or, or, or gotten into that level because all you could read is the designer notes and have to imagine the rest. Now, I'd love to hear Volko or Mark Herman or 
you know, a sophisticated designer talk about the whys. Mm-hmm. Cole Worley, who did Root, did John Company, one of my favorites. Uh, now, speaking it, about Mark Herman, I met him for the first time. Yes. He's uh, he's just a, he's just a great guy. I, I got the, obviously, I had to congratulate him for all his designs. But I said, Mark, I had to congratulate him for one more thing that you do that I don't see many designers. You do videos of your war games explaining and I want to congratulate you for that. And you know what he told me? He said, I followed your advice and bought the this microphone for the iPhone, which it's a, it's a really nice microphone, the one I use. And I'm going to use it. And I said, oh, great. So I'm gra- great. great to be of any assistance. You That's know? funny. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. And so so that brings me to a next topic, which is, is Consum World Expo. So mm-hmm. you and I are sitting here at Consum World Expo in a room doing the podcast. But uh, this is your second year at yep. Consum World? Yes, and by far my favorite convention. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's you have all these war, uh, designers, developers, game companies uh, t- together, and at the same time, most of the people are very laid back. They want to have a good time. It's really fun, you know. And uh, for me, I should have come a long time ago for some reason I didn't, and I. Uh, I like shooting videos, and I like to capture that. And uh, I posted last year. I didn't get a chance to post, to record enough video. I was, my first time, I was like a little kid in a toy store. Like, I was shocked, you know. And suddenly I realized I better shoot some video. So I, I only had like, I think like two hours of footage. I put together one video, and actually John Kranz used it, like, uh, to show people what, how it is like. So... And I, from what I hear, people liked it, and, and John said that, you know, it may have helped to get more people. They, they had, a, I think, record attendance this year. So <clears throat> I keep on, I want to do that more. That part of the hobby for me, in addition to wargaming, is to cover conventions. I went to one in Spain in January. It's called the Bellota Con. It's organized by a, a fellow named Sergio. It was his second year. The first year was 35 people. This second year was 75. Of course, Volko Runke went. <laughs> that helps. So that'll draw some a crowd. But I did a bunch of videos at that convention also. So I'm going to go next year. I'm going to go every year I can. Hopefully my work that month of January is pretty dead so I can I can travel. But there's conventions in Paris. I think in San Marino, which is uh, in Italy. Um, I think there's even in Warsaw conventions uh, so, because our hobby is not, it's not massified, you know, it's, it's a niche, but it's in every developed country in the world. And that's, I think that's what makes it also so interesting. You know, you got French ga- uh, companies making games, you got uh, for games making, uh, game designers. When you look at the designers, they're from all over. Kim Kanger, he's Swedish. And, and it's incredible. So, uh, that's one thing I want to be able to do more in the future is cover conventions on video and if, if that allows me to travel the world so be it so you took more video here yeah i'm taking more video this time i'm smaller bites. i'm releasing smaller uh shorter videos and i'm gonna do one longer video which i'll post uh after when i get back home well, I, I, this this convention in particular is full of designers. Yes, designers every war game designers everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to 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 do short. No, it is. And, and I, I, <laughs> you 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 have experience interviewing people. I'm I'm learning that. 
Now, when you're walking around Compton World, some people are really into their games. They don't want to be bothered with some idiot with a camera, right? So I gotta, I'm trying to read the reactions of people. And so, so I remember my first day when I arrived to this, this guy comes to, to me. Well, I'm going to say his name. He's a really nice guy. Rick Van Dyke. He says, Joe, last year you neglected us, the OCS guys. You didn't do. And he said, Rick, you're right. I'll go this time. So I'm, I'm walking with my camera. And there's five guys playing the game, you know, very intense, you know. And I'm going, well, I don't want to interrupt. Then Rick, and Rick is the most lively of all of them, he opens his arms like this and comes, come on over. So I go over, of course, and, and it was, it, you're going to see the videos. It's, it's really a blast, you know. And um, so that's when, when I approach a table, I try to make eye contact because some people are very immersed in their game. I don't want to interrupt, so, but it's, now what's happening is I'm walking around without the camera and people come to me, Joe, I want to show you this game. So I know those, I can film those guys and there's not going to be any problem and they're, they're happy to, to be in the, no, in the there, There's some people that think that you're the government and of course you are, interestingly <laughs> enough, right? Taking pictures of what they're doing and monitoring them. Uh, there's one particular instance I had here last year, I think, where a guy said, I wish you would leave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know he was say, he, and I was standing taking pictures of what they were doing, and he said, "Yeah, I just wish you would leave." So, so there are a few of those. There, right I now. want to tell you an anecdote, but I won't say the name. There's these two fellows playing a game, and there's another fellow with a laptop to the side, and I approach and I start filming, and the fellow with the laptop says, "Hey, you can film my game all as much as you want, but I don't want my face in your video." Well, I was kind of taken aback, but I, you know, I have tough skin. I'm well, a, and it was direct, yes. Yeah, so I said, listen, no problem. I'm deleting the whole thing right now. And, and it was deleted, and I move on to the next thing. Yeah, no problem at all. So, uh, but I'm, I'm learning this thing about interviewing people and approaching people. It's new to me, so... I I'll, I tell my viewers, you know, be patient. It, it's it takes practice also. Yeah, no, you do great. I'm sure it'll be be terrific. Uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting here in in a week long convention. So you see a lot of games that we don't see anywhere else, right? The big games. Yeah. So and every day is different. Yes, there's something different, something interesting. Yeah, yeah. John Krantz does a good job. Oh man, he's a he has this thing down pat. You know, it's a, and he's a great host and. He's all. He's made me feel so well. So I, I, have, I really appreciate it. So you come here from Puerto Rico. Yes. Where you live and work, as we've discussed. What's wargaming like in Puerto Rico? Uh, you're, you're, you're watching all of it here. It's me. <laughs> it's you. I've, I've, well, this podcast. Anybody from Puerto Rico who plays war games, not Warhammer, please. No sci-fi <laughs> game. Not Star Wars, please. Just historical board games. Stukajoe at uh, gmail.com, please. <laughs> and we'll, can, we can do so. We can play something and shoot a video. Right. <laughs> I'm always amazed, though. I, you know, you can, you can find them, and, and you have to cultivate them. It's in San Diego, you know, I moved. Well, I started gaming again six years ago after stopping basically from the time I, I went to college till the time my kids left for college. And, uh, and, and what I, I, I know that there are gamers, and there are tons of gamers there. And San Diego is, you know, it's densely populated. Puerto Rico is densely populated. But you, you have to cultivate the groups. You have to cultivate meetings. You have to cultivate the socialization. You know, one of the things I think 
that that's that that um, it's not bad about our hobby, but it's just a characteristic that makes it harder to meet. Is that many people like to play either in their homes by themselves or in very small groups in their homes, and so I'm constantly battling that and trying to get people to meet in in groups because the more people we meet and the more we mix, the more options we all have, right? to learn and to teach and uh, to broaden our own perspectives and, and to play games that we did, you know, I didn't know anybody liked to play this game. You see somebody else playing it and you can, you can. And that's why I think these convention videos are so helpful because you see people and I focus on the people having fun. I'm not, I mean, you can find all kinds of people and, but I focus on the people having fun. That's the one I want to, people I want to film the video with. So, but as to, as to people in Puerto Rico, I've checked my, I have, if, you, if you have a YouTube channel, you go to YouTube Analytics and it tells you how many subscribers you have from Puerto Rico. And it uh, happens to be the number of subscribers is more or less uh, the number of brothers, uh, cousins that I have <laughs> who, are, who exactly. have YouTube channels. Yes, so I think listening. it's all, all my relatives or something. I don't know if I have anybody else. That. That's great. Yeah, th- so there's some great analytics, um, not necessarily on the podcast, but on the my blog site conflictsimulations.com where i where i publish the notes and then some other rantings and, and other things that i do and uh it, it, it's very interesting because there are a lot of it, the diversity in sheer number of locations is massive yeah uh, but but not not a ton from puerto rico no i get i speak spanish also so i have a okay majority of my subscribers are in the united states then canada then I think it's Spain. And then my Spanish subscribers always, Joe, please do a video in Spanish. And I tell them, yeah, I'm going to do one. And, and once in a blue moon, I do one in Spanish. But um, uh, so I always say that I'm going to do more. Well, at least I went to the Bellotacon. I'm going to go and I meet them there. So at least, but um, I'm still finding ways. I think YouTube has a translating feature that you can it translate the English to Spanish. So uh, I hope that that works because it's pretty, I mean, I have a day job to do a video, you know, 20 minutes and then to do another soundtrack in Spanish. You know, I would have to find a way to do it, but I'm, I'm conscious enough that uh, I may I may end up having to do some more, more videos in Spanish because uh, I went to Spain and to tell you these people, they treat me so well in Spain. It's, uh, it, I felt really at home. Right, no, that's what Volko said. Yeah. And and I think Mark is the guest of honor next year, and, mm-hmm. and indicated dinner last night that he was. And, and I think uh, I met Luke uh, Luke Billingsley. Yes, he knows some Spanish, so he's going to be the envoy from GMT there. <laughs> That's great. I have to test him. I have to talk to him. Yes, and say, Luke, come on, let's speak Spanish. See how much, how <laughs> much you know. <laughs> let's give it a go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so, what percentage of the videos that you have have you done in Spanish? Maybe three <laughs> percent. Very few, very few videos in Spanish. Now, the thing is, I've done videos on the, the. My favorite CDG. I haven't played all CDGs, and I haven't played Empire of the Sun, so I do this disclaimer. My favorite CDG is Crusade and Revolution, Spanish Civil War game, two-player, designed by David Gomez Reyoso. He's a, a young Spanish guy. Play tested by Half of Spain. I'm not kidding you. When I did the video. It, I put all the playtesters, must be like 80 people, something like that. Because it was a well-polished game, and Compass published it here in the United States. And I've read books about the Spanish Civil War, uh, 
Hugh Thomas, Anthony Bieber. It's a very, it's a it's a war that is imbued in uh, many, uh, how do you say, political aspects. You have not just one sort of communism. You have like you have the the anarchist, the the Moscow-backed communist, and the Spanish-grown communist, and they don't get along with each other. And that game captures these political tensions so well through the cards. You know, I'm playing the game, and I'm I'm remembering Hugh Thomas's book. It's a tremendous game, um, and uh, it's I played it uh, with uh, my buddy here, Steve Liskey, uh, and he beat me. I was the Republic, uh, but the Republic is tough. But it's it's a very if 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 you're into the Spanish Civil War, you have to get that game. I never say buy a game, but if you like the Spanish Civil War topic, you have to have that game because it is card driven and the cards are just fantastic. They take you through the whole uh the whole gamut of the, the events of the Civil War. And most are polit many are politically are 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 effects that happen because of uh of, of a political tendency. Uh you had the backing of the uh, of Germany and Italy on one side. You had the the, the communist and the anarchist uh, and and then the republic was just trying to survive itself, and so it's a, it's a fascinating game. So did uh, did Compass do a nice job with the English translation? And the... Yes, they and they 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 uh, published the game with a mounted map board. Uh, the, the, there's two kinds of counters: uh, three fourths of an inch are the army counters. The division counters are now five eighths of an inch. Yeah, they did a, they did a fine job. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So that's one of the questions I wanted to ask as we close is, is what, what else do you play? What, what do you like to play? What are your favorite games? My favorite game is Upfront. But um, because I have so many fond memories of that. Uh, but I know that's been entangled in some legal battle. I don't know. They, ne they never come up with it again. Uh, so uh, what do I play? Well, I play what? I show in my videos that I play the game through. I, I make the disclaimer again, you know. Uh, I played, oh, I played, I think, four turns of Churchill, and I did a Churchill video, and Mark Herman liked it a lot, so I feel very, very proud of that. So, um, but to me, the, my hobby is what uh, the excuse for me to play, and, the, and my hobby is wargaming, filmmaking, editing, and it's my way of playing games, and of course, I play Twilight Struggle with my older son, Iram. I'm, I'm always the... The Americans, I always lose for some reason. He's really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there, there can be a big, if there's a big quality differential, the game can end very quickly. Oh, yeah. And as to, C, as to CDGs, um, there's a, I developed a, a way of playing them. You know, it's called the CDG solo method. You play both sides to the best of your ability, but when you play a side, you only have, uh, you only know certain cards and within those certain cards, it's not granted that you can play all of them. So that creates uncertainty. And when you look at the other side, uh, not all of their cards are revealed. So when you go to play the other side, uh, you, die, you roll a die, and that tells you which cards you reveal and then which cards you can play. And I've had tremendous feedback uh, from, uh, from, from players. There's a fellow playing um, Commands and Colors Ancients using it. And uh, there's another fellow, and I have to say his name, Chris Crane, Wargamer. He helps with the uh, game tweak sheets. We have 
the, the game, the, the rules are very simple. It's two pages. But then there's tweaks you have to make for each game. And he's done so many of those tweak sheets. We have like, I think we have 10 or 11 uh, uh, tweak sheets in, in our, we call it the source book. It, it's in the files page for Paths of Glory in BGG. You can find it there. So that's something I really feel very, very good about because it's a way of helping people play their, these games. And these games, CDGs, it's all in the cards. If you don't know the cards, you're dead. And if, if it, this gets you at least to play the game, you're going to know the cards. And when you play with somebody face-to-face, -face, hey, you're more familiar with the You're deck. more familiar with the cards, and you know what he has or he may have in his hand. So what about video movies? What, what do you like to watch? I like to watch war movies. Um, what's, I, what's something you've enjoyed recently? War movies, I haven't seen anything recently. I watch, I find myself watching a lot of YouTube, not a lot of TV. And I watch a lot. In Puerto Rico, we don't vote for the president or for anybody in, in the federal government. I was, I, I, I found very interesting American politics since 2016. The night of the election, I, I couldn't believe it. And it was like, I was watching the Puerto Rican elections. The fellow that won, we knew he was going to win. I was, that was, and then I, st I was at my brother's home and I said, oh, can I stay? Let me watch uh, CNN. And then Trump is ahead in Florida. I'm going, hey, this is interesting. Can I stay a while? And my brother said, yeah, sure. Nobody was watching, just me. He had all the people in his house I was watching. And then the Florida went to 90% or 95%. And for some reason, CNN wouldn't give him the state, which is kind of weird. And I'm going, and then they turned to Ohio, and he's winning. And I'm, that that was incredible. I stayed up all night, and not because I'm a Trump fan, I'm not, but it was just an incredible phenomenon. It was, you know? yeah. And and uh, I was amazed. And since then, I'm I'm more keeping more abreast of American politics. It's it's very interesting. And I'm not going to talk about it in your show because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to bring. <laughs> it's a touchy subject, but right, right. but it's it's really interesting. I could. It's uh, something I've never noticed before, you know, this this phenomenon. But uh, so I watch a lot of YouTube. I, I I have another hobby. I play in a rock band with my brothers. I have we're four brothers. I'm the oldest one. Um, my youngest brother. I'm 17 years older than him. So he, so my mom and dad wanted wow. to go for the girl. The, and <laughs> we have Jorge. So, and the thing is, when you play with your brothers, you know. It's family. So you got to be careful, you know? You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, right? So we got our four brothers, which, thank God, everybody has their day job. And we have a professional bass player, which is, uh, which is a good friend of us. So he, he covers, he, he does, he saves our act. And then we have a female uh, singer, which we, she, she, she sings with us, and, and we, we gather together some money because it's, helps us with the quality of the vocals. But the thing is with a younger brother, Jorge, he's, you know, he's a younger brother. He's a spoiled guy. He gets late to the, how do you say, the rehearsals and stuff. So we call him Mick Jagger. Hey, where's Mick? <laughs> uh, do you know anything about now? Mick is not coming out. Then he wants to sing half of the songs, but he's late to the rehearsals. Like, Come on. <laughs> so well, but we love him. You know, he's family. Right. What can you do, you know? It's great. So, what, it's, so you, you play keyboards. I've seen I you play, play keyboards and, and sing some songs. Right. I've seen you on uh, No Enemies Here play a little something play, did he? Oh, uh, yeah.
to uh, the 70s, Elton John, Billy Joel, Leonard Skinner, some Journey, and we do also songs in Spanish, you got to do them, and uh, more more uh, modern stuff, but we have from 70s, we have a good, uh, nice lineup, people like it over there, it's, it's more for, we play for uh, family gatherings, and we even played at the U.S. Attorney's Office. Is that right? We played in December, I, I had a huge... A very important murder for hire case since 2014, and I wanted the band to play at the Christmas party. But I told my boss, I can't bring the band because if I lose that case, they're going to say, "No wonder the guy lost the case. He's playing in a rock band. He's not." <laughs> so we won the case in October, and then we played in <laughs> in December. <laughs> at last, we played. And What's was, the name of the band? Do you have a name? It's called the Los Ruiz Señores. The Ruiz Señores. Uh, there's a bird called El Ruiz Señor, but the Ruiz Señores, it's R-U-I-Z, which is my last name. Uh, uh, it's, it would translate to the the the, Ru, the, mis, the, the Ruiz Misters, something like that. So that's great. So if you uh, if you had to pick a band that you like the most, Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, those, those, yeah. I just love the Stones. The it's, world's greatest garage band. Yeah, and they make us gonna keep singing till he has a heart a heart attack and dies on stage. Yeah, that's, that's what he said it, and they keep on going. It's incredible. And Keith Richards, I uh, I know he I know he's not the healthiest guy, but I just love I love his attitude. You know, he's a happy-go-lucky guy, and and the music is just just incredible. You know, not mostly the old stuff. You know, they, the the seven uh i love the exile on main street album that that album is just amazing and the way they recorded it at keith's uh, house in france and there's even a video about that how they pulled that off you know but uh that's my favorite groups yeah well i i want to thank you for taking the time to uh to talk to us about your channel and and your experience here at uh at concert well thank you thank you for inviting me it's, uh, it's an honor So that's a wrap for this podcast. I will publish some notes and references on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Join the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek or the group on Facebook and leave me a comment with your thoughts and ideas. Thanks to Horace Silver for the intro and outro music. Check him out on Facebook, Spotify, and iTunes. And I'll close with a special thanks to Stuka Joe. And that's it for me. As always, I'm trying to figure out who scheduled WBC and Gen Con over the same week, and I'll be back soon. Tell me what you had for breakfast, Joe, and we'll set the uh, your your sound levels. What did I have for breakfast? Well, scrambled eggs with uh, bacon and what else? Uh, coffee, and again, scrambled eggs. Bacon no, and no coffee. potatoes, no bread. Oh, no potatoes today. No yeah. bread. No. Yeah. A lot of scrambled eggs for some reason.
a funny story he did uh, he and uh, one of his one of his friends from another podcast and uh, Mark Herman so the Mark Herman was going to watch the two of them play remotely but live via video um, to play Empire of the Sun and <laughs> you know they, they they set it all up and they thought they had it set up but you, you couldn't get Bruce's audio on on the main feed mm-hmm. so what you ended up with was uh, Bruce's opponent where you could hear Mark who you could hear but you couldn't hear Bruce so so the only thing they would convey is what they heard from Bruce and then they would just say Bruce just said this or and it, was, it was the silliest <laughs> it was very funny it was a, it's going to be great right I mean what a great idea to, yeah, two is. competent players playing a game and then Mark Herman vo- voicing his his yeah like you know, remember the old general magazine the <clears throat> was it the series replay you had sometimes a designer as a commentator and two players playing the game that's it was, exactly it was, it was very good yeah that was really good stuff yeah. i enjoyed reading those so yeah